Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. All right, uh, Luke chapter chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 7. It says this. It says, Now, the tax collectors and sinners... Somebody say tax collectors. Look at someone next to you and do the air quotes and go lowest of the low. Okay. The tax collectors, I'm talking about in this culture. If you're sitting here, you're a tax collector, you're like, hey, what's wrong with this guy? No, I'm talking about in in, in Jewish culture. The tax collectors and sinners, look at someone next to you and say the bad people. You do air quotes too. You have to do the air quotes or it it doesn't really work. And sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, who were the religious people, and the teachers of the law, muttered. Okay, look at someone next to you and point your finger at them and say, don't be a mutterer. Muttering is a problem. People that mutter, that say things under their breath, muttering is not so much an action as a bad attitude. People that, that, that would mutter, uh, they'll mutter about anything. They'll say something under their breath about anything. Like there's somebody here that probably said something about my shoes before all this began. I mean, you're probably going to look at this guy up here. Whatever. I mean, it's just kind of an attitude. But this is the attitude of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And here's their attitude. <laughs> Listen what they're saying. Uh, it's, isn't it interesting that sometimes we try to insult someone and we say something amazing about them and we think it's an insult. He says, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He's going to insult them. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I'm going to start a brand new series today. No Lost Causes. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we all have a story and we're all on a journey of discovering your love every day. That's what the, that's what the story is really about. It's just different levels of uncovering your faithfulness and your goodness in our life. The more of it that's revealed, the stronger we are, the more healed we are, the more protected we are. So I pray in Jesus' name that we would have a good memory to look back at our life, how far away at one time we were from knowing your love and where we stand today. And Lord, that you continue to invite us to get a revelation every new day of a new part and a new facet of your love that can transform every part of our lives. 
I pray that people would be filled with encouragement in this room today and you help me communicate this in a way that honors you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have you ever lost something that's really, really important to you? Oh, you're laughing. Okay, you think that's funny. Okay, well, you're thinking about your keys or something? Is that what you're Okay, yeah, raise your hand if you lose your keys a lot. I, I have no idea what's the, me and my keys. It's just... Has anyone ever lost something a little more important? Well, okay, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. Keys are pretty, they're pretty important. Anyone ever put socks in the dryer? Like you put six socks. Someone say six. Someone say that's an even number. If you put six socks in a dryer, the only possibility of the number of socks that can possibly in, in the universe come out of that dryer is either five three or one there's there's no there's no way that an even number of socks and, and you know what's you know what's weird too is I feel like that in some way people might be pranking me because sometimes I will go to my sock drawer this has happened to me before I'll go to my sock drawer and I'll open the you know how you ball up socks it's like a ball of socks here so you, you ball up socks. there have been times I go to my sock drawer and I'm just like in a hurry or whatever and I undo the ball and it's one has anyone has anyone ever undone have you ever undone the ball? You start looking for prank cameras in the room. It's like, what is happening to me right now? So you lose socks. That's frustrating. You lose keys. Your wallet. One time I lost my wallet. I was out with my family. I lost my wallet. And isn't it frustrating when you lose something trying to recreate the story? How detailed do you, you're like, okay, I had a Frappuccino in my hand. And the guy, well, I mean, you're, you're like trying to piece together. You, you turn into like a forensic scientist at that moment to try to put it back. Because you want to know so bad. I, mean, I lost a wallet once and I never found it. I had to get everything new. No one ever turned it in. It's crazy. When you lose something, it, it, it's, it's frustrating. But has anyone ever lost a human before? Right? Let's, let's be honest. Let, let's, get, like, let's get in detail. Have you ever lost a human being before? This is... This is uh, pretty revealing that you're, you're confident enough to admit this, that you've lost a person. I've lost a person before. Uh, it's not my proudest moment. I remember we were at SeaWorld uh, when the kids were really little. I think, I think Mia was like four and Jude was two. And we're all hanging out and we're playing at this little water park place and um, just having a great time. And, and I'm just like, hey, look at, you know, look at Mia, whatever. And I'm like, hey, where's Jude? And, and, and Ames like, I, he, he was with you. And I said, no, he was with you. <laughs> and, and, and she goes, no, do you remember over there? I said, watch Jude. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we, we start, you know, you, you know how that, like when you lose a human, um, <laughs> you know how when you lose a human, like at, at first, you go, hey, Jude, Jude. <laughs> Dude, hey buddy, where are you, bud? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's the first stage of losing a human. And then, then it kind of escalates because the human doesn't answer you. And then you have to move to stage two where you go, hey, hey have you seen a boy that's like this tall? Uh, he's a little kid, he's real cute with blue eyes. And then they're like, no, and then you start going, Jude! Jude! You're, you, you just don't, you know what I'm saying? You don't care anymore. It's like, I'm, get the police! You know, you're, you just start, you start freaking out. So we found, you know, we, we had security teams. We had, you know, everyone that's searching for him. And uh, he had crawled 
over this partition to swim with fish. Okay, so now you have to understand that, like, you know, when, when I was growing up, you've heard some of this story before. Like, when I was growing up, there were things that, it's, it's, they're archaic now, no one knows about them, but they're called spankings, okay? They're, like, it, it's where, it's where, you, you ever read about these or heard these things? You, you, you do something wrong and, like, people hit you for it. It's like, and then there were these things that were, like, higher levels of torture uh, that were called switches. And you actually didn't go to jail for hitting someone with a stick. It was like a thing where, like, in Alabama, so switches is, like, the thinnest piece of wood in the entire world. It's like, it makes a sound like the three musketeers when you swing it. It's like... <laughs> And you look and you're like, wow, I'm bleeding. Okay, there we go. This is amazing. So my parents are extremely loving. I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing parents. <laughs> but raise your hand if you grew up in this time of whippings. I mean, you just, look, it's everyone. <laughs> we all remember this. So in the same way, when, when mom and dad had Tyler, my little brother... I was 23 when, when Tyler was born. So it's like, when they have Tyler growing up in the house, it's like, you know, I, I remembered what I, you know, what I had to experience as uh, you know, growing up. And it's like, Tyler would knock over a lamp and the lamp would break. And my mom had gone to college right before she had Tyler and got a degree in psychology. So, so my mom is like this incredibly brilliant, sophisticated woman who understands like behavioral therapy and all this kind of stuff. So like, it's like Tyler was little and he would knock over the lamp. And I'd be like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden the lamp would break and my mom would go, Tyler, time out. I said, what, what, the, what the heck, heck, heck it is time? What, what's time? What are we playing football? What? Time out. Beat him. He broke the lamp. <laughs> so Amy and I kind of were, you know, raised our kids in this enlightened uh, culture uh, of uh, it's it's it, you know I'm not making fun of it because it's extremely helpful. I mean, when you really go in and dig into those ideas, that you can really instill more confidence and even obedience through you know talking to a person and 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 kind of bargaining, communicating with them rather than you know just ah. Uh, so, but we we were ra we raised our kids in that way, so it was all timeouts and everything. And so 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 Jude, when we find him, he is like out in this water with like manta rays and stuff like he's out he's like he's out in the middle of the it's like we we go get him and i i grab i go jude he goes hi daddy you know and i just go <laughs> i start karate i don't even know i i got stuff happening to me i'm <laughs> I, I, i'm like i'm like like old bruce lee movies i'm talking with i'm like how dare you leave me on your mother? I see what these animals will eat you. I'm, I'm going crazy. I'm like, he don't even know what's happening. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, what? Why are you hitting me? I 
I think I, you know, I may have spanked his bottom once. Okay, I'm over exaggerated. But I started weeping. I started shouting. I started praising God at SeaWorld with a manta ray by my feet. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus! I started going crazy. Why? Because my lost son was found. And what Jesus tells us here in this story is that he values lost people. He doesn't view people the way we view people. We have a way of categorizing different levels of being lost. There's two things. There's either lost or found. And there's not varying degrees. And see, I want to kind of establish something at the beginning of this series that lost, the definition of lost is something that is misplaced, has wandered astray, or is taken away. That's what lost means, something that is misplaced. I believe there are a lot of people in our world. I believe there could be people in this room. There are people that live next door to us that are misplaced. I believe there are people that, that live all around us that work next to us that have been taken away. I believe there are people all over the place that have wandered away. And God loves them. He values them. See, that's the definition of the word lost. But the definition of lost cause is something different. A lost cause is something that is unredeemable, that has no hope. There's a difference in something that's lost and something that is a lost cause. So as we dig into our text here, we notice that religious attitudes, religious people don't like lost people. Why? Because they're too proud of their behavior. They're too proud of all the good things they've done. And, and they don't have any tolerance for other people that don't have it figured out. They forget that at one time they were lost. Or they never knew it to begin with. And Jesus says this parable. He says that there will be more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than over 99 people who do not need to repent. What does that mean? It means that God is proud of us when we're redeemed and we come to be part of his family. But what he says is there's a grace for you to live in my righteousness. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. He's the person of the Holy Spirit. He keeps you saved. So yes, I rejoice when you became one of my family, but I expect you to stay in your calling. I expect you to stay saved, to be encouraged, to worship me, to praise me. So there's no need to rejoice over the fact that you're still worshiping. But if someone goes astray, if someone is in the pool swimming with the manta rays what Jesus is saying is I can't just ignore that I have to go into seek and save mode he's saying there's a difference between someone who is lost and someone who is a lost cause a person who is lost is simply misplaced has wandered away or has been taken away and I'm going to tell you something today there are no lost causes with Jesus and here's why a lost cause is something that has no hope 
And something that has no hope is something that simply has not been introduced to the love of Jesus. So there are no lost causes with Jesus. There might be lost people, but they just haven't been introduced to the hope of Jesus yet. They haven't been introduced to the love of Jesus yet. Who, and I want you to think about this for a second. Because when you start reaching lost people, you start loving lost people, you start being around people that make other righteous people uncomfortable. Are you, are you hearing me today? That's what it looks like. That's why Jesus got so much criticism. As he's sitting there having lunch with prostitutes. Can you imagine if I'm on Instagram, like tomorrow, someone's like, hey, at the, at the mall here at Florida Mall, and seeing, uh, see Pastor Jeff sitting with a group of prostitutes. It's awesome. No one would do that. There would be articles where everyone would go crazy if they saw that I was simply doing exactly what my Lord and Savior did. Okay? Or Pastor Jeff is sitting with all these inmates or he's whatever. We categorize all these different people. Jesus does not see these people as lost causes. He sees them as lost. Now I want you to put your hand on your heart for a second and say, I was lost. But now am found was blind but now I see we were all lost we were all lost what kind of person in their right mind would be at SeaWorld and you go do you have him? No do you have him? No, I thought you had him no, I thought you had him and go, well do we have Mia? <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, me. I'm like, one out of two ain't bad. Let's go home. <laughs> Who would do that? Do you understand the story now about the 99 and the one? Jesus is going, this is somebody that I love. This is somebody who is misplaced. This is somebody who has wandered away. Stop judging those people. Stop categorizing them as so far below you that they do not deserve God's love and forgiveness. Say it with me, no lost causes. Say it again. No lost causes. No lost causes. There are no lost causes with Jesus. Because when Jesus bring his, brings his hope, what seems to be a lost cause becomes something that is truly redeemed. He loves us so much. I've been talking a lot lately about Luke chapter 19 and the story of Zacchaeus where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he stops in this town called Jericho. He's going to the cross to die. He's only got a week left to live. And he stops through Jericho and Jericho is this place that is super rich, super fancy. And it's the place everybody wants to be. It's like a resort spot in Israel. Everyone wants to go there. Only the elite can afford to live there. And the Bible says that the chief tax collector in Jericho, so, so by the way, Tax collectors in this culture were considered the, the lowest of the low, the scum of the earth. The reason why is that the Roman government who was occupying Israel would do these deals with Jewish people and say, hey, if you work for me, I'm going to have you exploit all of your fellow countrymen, your family, all, the, all your friends. 
you got to go get taxes for us and then you can take whatever you want on top of it. You, you can be crooked, you can threaten them, and if, if you say they haven't paid you, we'll come get them, we'll throw them in jail, but you just, you get our money, you give us ours, we'll give you yours. So that's what a tax collector was. And the richest one, the chief of all of them, was someone named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, by all of our standards now, is someone we would consider unredeemable, a lost cause, the, kind of the lowest of the low. But what happens is Jesus is passing through, he's on the road to Jerusalem and he goes through Jericho and all of a sudden as he's going through Jericho he sees this little dude and I, I'm not saying that in a condescending way the Bible says that he was a little dude it says he was under five feet tall look at someone next to you and say Danny DeVito <laughs> so he's a little guy he's 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 a, he's like up in this tree and he, he can't see real good and he's super rich and wealthy and powerful and he's looking down, trying to get a view of Jesus because he's got all the money in the world. He's got all of the power in the world. He's got all of the influence in the world. But there's still something missing from his life. He's up in the tree and he's looking down at Jesus. And Jesus walks up and he calls him by name. He says, hey, Zacchaeus. He said, come down from that tree. I want to come to your house today. You know, what, you know what the Pharisees started doing? You know what the religious people started doing? Can you answer it for me? What's the word? They started muttering. Does he know who Zacchaeus is? He wants to go to his He wants to go to his house? They're freaking out. They're just being so judgmental. They're judging Jesus because Jesus wants to hang out with Zacchaeus. So he goes to Zacchaeus' house and he does, Jesus doesn't care. He's like, look, it's like I'm gonna die in seven days. I'm about to give my life for, for, for the sins of humanity. I'm really not worried about your opinion too much. Why is, why is this getting so intense? Because when Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, it changes Zacchaeus' heart. When he realizes the love that Jesus has for him in spite of his failure, in spite of his corruption, he goes, Jesus, um, I'm going to give away half of all my money. I I'm actually going to pay back anybody I have taken from. I'm going to pay them back four times what I took for them. And Jesus doesn't go, no, 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 of course not. <laughs> it's not what this is all about. It's a heart thing. Jesus goes, this day salvation has come to your house. He goes, the very fact that you want to do that shows me that there has been a change in your heart. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Here's, here's the reason I'm bringing this story up. Jesus ends the whole story by saying this. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. That's the purpose. That's why Jesus came to this planet. And I want to tell you something today. Jesus is seeking you today put your hand on your heart say Jesus is seeking me today he's seeking you he's after you a week before his death he declared part of his mission and he summarized it by saying I came to this place to find lost people shame on us if we're one of the 99 and our heart is not breaking for the one you want to know what the one is? You've been a part of Blink and you've heard me talk about the one. By the way, that's what the one is. The one is that one that's lost. The one is that one that we leave everything we're doing and we say, I can't focus. My son is missing. My daughter's missing. Let's get a search party. Let's go out. I'm not sleeping until I find him. See, that's what Jesus is doing for us. That's what Jesus is doing for all, all of those that are lost. And 
do we forget that we were lost? Because if we do, can I remind you, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says, as for you, I don't know if you can see my notes. At the bottom, I have these enormous, it's, it says you, your, you, you, us, ours, you, yourself. I, I put all those words just absolutely huge in my notes so I could emphasize them. This is not for the person next to you. This is for you. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit which is now at work in all the disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. Put your hand on your heart and say, I was lost. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. See how it shifted from us to him? And even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. No lost causes. No lost causes. No lost causes. No lost causes. Say it. Say no lost causes. No lost causes. Somebody say with Jesus, there are no lost causes. I have 10 more pages of notes. That's how excited I am about this series. Because I wanna start with you. And I, I, wanted, I wanted you to know today that Jesus left the 99 to find you. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm the one. Look at someone next to you and say, I'm the one. Now argue with them, because they're gonna say, no, it's me. Say, and then say, no, it's me. You, you, have to, you have to say it one more time, say, I'm the one. No, seriously, I'm the one. I am the one. You're looking at a guy who, from the time I was 13 until I was in my early 30s, had a pornography addiction. So for me, Part of that whole reason I didn't want to be a pastor is I had demons that were chasing me around and every good thing I did for God, he would put that in my face to remind me that I had no future in God. It was only when I, you know, went to this weekend, this experience weekend, where the power of God came on me and he said, hey, I love you so much. It was his love.
It's what I'm talking about right now that he demonstrated towards Zacchaeus that he did to me. I was just in this, this weekend, this men's weekend. I'm like, oh, shameful. It's destroying me. I can't you know, get this out of my head. And God literally in that moment said to me, he said, I loved you. <laughs> he said, I loved you before this was a problem. He said, I loved you during the problem. And I'm going to love you when it's not a problem for you anymore. I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't write me off. I'm glad that he didn't view me as a lost cause. See, that's why I say I'm the one. I'm the one. You have to believe that you're the one. And you know what happens when you start to really believe you're the one? You start going out looking for the other ones. You go everywhere you can, just like Jesus did, and you, and you find them. There's no lost causes. There's no lost causes. I'm thankful that I'm not one today. I'm not a lost cause. There's hope for me. Because anything that is a lost cause is something that has not yet been introduced to the love of Jesus. And his love is what rescued me. It's what changed my life. It, it took the past, threw it away, gave me a fresh, brand new start. And I'm able to live for God. I'm able to, able to overcome all the challenges that are in front of me. And yes, I struggle in my life just like anyone else does. But it is his love for me that keeps me moving forward. That's why the Bible says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I, every time I struggle, I look at that thing in, down the line. I look at Jesus and I go, you love me. You started this. You're going to finish it. I'm going to be okay. No lost causes. No lost causes. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.